Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal Boys and Girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrand. Joining me, as always, somewhere over there, the one and only Dan Rubenstein. Sir, how are you doing today? That's a good way of describing where I am, both emotionally and physically. I am, I'm pretty good, all things considered. My life is okay, but I am, my college football heart is pretty sad considering the day's news. So I want to talk this through with nobody but you, Tyler. And likewise, Mr. Rubenstein, as you said, we broadcast with heavy hearts today. We'll get into that and much, much more. You can always reach out and let us know what's on your mind, solidverbal at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, solidverbal.com. There is a contact form there or on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook. We also do have a subreddit, which I would imagine is going to be teeming with opinions about not only what's going to go down this season, but what's going to go down in this podcast. Dan, just so many questions. Whoa, is there podcast drama? I don't know. There, I suppose there could be. <laughs> I guess we'll see. You Not that I know listening. of yet, but okay. there's always time. And of course, subscribe to the show out on Spotify, on Apple, on Google. We will be podcasting for the, I don't know, foreseeable future. I can't imagine why we wouldn't. There's so much to talk about here, Dan. Correct. We have no end date. We are going through no matter what does or does not happen. We will continue this show because it is our happy place. 408 Verbal 1 is also the reverb line. 408-837-2251. We cut a deal with the phone company to open the line back up for a limited time. My guess is that we're going to get a lot of interesting fan reaction. Verballers out there need some cathartic experience to, you know, heal from some of what we found out today and some of what we're going to talk through tonight, Dan. Um yeah. Let's just let's let's jump right in. We do have breaking news. Oh, boop, 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 boop. Two really big cataclysmic announcements in the world of college football. You know where this is going. We talked about this as a possibility. I think to some extent we expected it. Doesn't come as a huge surprise to either of us, but um, now that it's here, it kind of feels—I don't know—unnatural. It it hurts as a huge college football fan, as someone who does this show. I know you feel the same. The Big Ten announced earlier today that it is now officially postponing the fall season. Remember, we heard rumors about this being a possibility, and there was a lot of backlash. And we can get into all that, but the Big Ten announced the postponement. Of the 2020-21 fall sports season, that includes all regular season contests and Big Ten championships and tournaments due to the ongoing health and safety concerns related to the COVID-19 pandemic. That is straight from the Big Ten statement that came out this afternoon. Shortly thereafter, again, as expected, the Pac-12 announced a... Very similar thing that they were also going to postpone their fall season with the intention of hopefully playing in the springtime. 
We can get into the merits of all of that, Dan. I guess what matters around the world of college football is that there are three conferences that have yet to announce. I think we can all see the writing on the wall at this point. Let's let's be clear. There are more than than three. We have the American as well. We have three other power conferences. We have three of the power conferences. That have yet to announce their intentions. All of them, at least as of time of recording here, seem like they're going to try and postpone, delay, drive this out as long as possible to see if they can get any games in this fall. Correct. The ACC seems somewhat hell-bent on trying to get as many games in as possible to proceed as they had planned, but one does wonder how long that can go on. All I think it takes is for one of those three Power Five holdouts to break ranks to eventually join the Big Ten and Pac-12 before the whole thing is going to get nuked. So, you know, a lot to unpack here, Dan. What was your reaction to hearing this? How do you feel now? What are we going to talk about for like the next six months? Like so many questions have entered my mind right now. Uh, I, you know, there's probably three to four things that are weighing on my mind. The first of which is it seems like it's been a long time coming that we've known that this was a potential outcome for quite some time. Uh, It doesn't make the landing any softer when it becomes official. It hurts all the same because this is what we do on this show. This is what we talk about. We, I mean, you went to a Big Ten school. I went to a Pac-12 school. There is more college football, obviously, that we cover. But, you know, there's something personal about both the Big Ten and Pac-12 to us. And the fact that these are dominoes, and mind you, this is after FCS conferences, uh, Group of Five conferences. I think it was ODU and UMass also in the last probably 36 hours have announced that they have canceled their seasons. And it comes a few days after the Big Ten, with I think a lot of qualifiers, announced their revised conference schedule. And that was sort of a point of confusion for a lot of people. Why announce that if you were also weighing canceling the season outright? And was was that the, the actual word postponement that they used? Or was it cancellation? What was it in terms of semantics? Yeah, the semantics are postponement. So they are hopeful for a spring season, but they do know this. They are not willing to play fall sports in the coming months. So that's what we know. And it's hard for me to hard agree, hard disagree. It's all understandable. And I I will come at it from that because I know a lot of people have seen and there's a lot to unpack because we've had players speaking out across many of the power, all of the power five conferences highlighted by Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, these huge, huge names talking about player input into the season and that they want to play. That was a hashtag built around it. And it was it was very cool to see players using their voices, uh, especially in terms of health protocols and getting representation uh, with regard to the season. But what the Big Ten and then shortly thereafter the Pac-12 did was say, we are not confident in our ability to play a season and look after our players to the best of our ability because we don't know what the best of our ability entails because the novel coronavirus is just that. It is new. There are unknowns and there are obviously different tentacles on this octopus regarding liability and amateurism and optics and messaging. But this is where we arrived. And I just I I'm disappointedly understanding. I am I am bummed out. I haven't I haven't even really thought about what we're going to talk about on this show because we'll find something. That's right. that's the least of my we we know how to yammer. That's what we do. We can flap our gums fine. But 
I feel terribly for the players and the coaches and the families of the coaches and everybody that works for these schools, people on broadcast teams, people covering the sport, especially Big Ten and Pac-12 teams. As of the time of this recording, as you mentioned, the ACC and Big 12 and SEC have not announced anything in that direction yet. They're still sort of deliberating and figuring out why the Pac-12 and Big Ten made their decisions, but there's sort of a an expected hollowness to today, which I just I don't know. I, I find myself shrugging and yeah. and figuring things or trying to figure out where we go from here because and we can get into this. I don't see football happening before fall of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. You are a spring skeptic. And I'm a spring um, skeptic. Yeah. Let's let's get into that momentarily. I just I I think back to one of the live streams we did back in April conversation way back when, when you were still trying to figure out if you should leave New York or not. And we, yeah. at, we, we asked a that was question. probably March then. Yeah. Yeah. We asked a question about the likelihood of this virus affecting the 2020 season. And I, I don't think either of us was so naive to think that it wouldn't, but to this extent at the time seemed almost unfathomable. Um, we had an opportunity, like as a society, maybe to better control the spread here. And there are many reasons why that didn't happen. And, you know, we're not going to get into all of that here on a, on a college football show. And so this isn't a Big Ten or a Pac-12 or a Mark Emmert or an NCAA problem. This is like a societal thing that we're going to sure. have to deal with. I certainly hope that with whatever choice is made, that more people don't get sick. That's the most important thing. It sucks. Yeah. Sucks that we don't have college football at least not in the Big Ten and Pac-12 that we're going to be able to talk about this fall. Buddy, we don't get Lehigh Lafayette this fall. We don't get Lehigh Lafayette. There, There's so much here that um, I think I am still processing that it's hard to really put it all into words. But, um, you know, we'll see what comes of it now as we move forward. So, as you said, Big Ten, Pac-12, pull the plug. Daniel, if reports are to be believed, the linchpin in this equation on whether we get college football at all at the Power 5 level, is the Big 12. Now, we've been dogging Bob Bowlesby for a while here. My dog's barking in the background. That's how much we've been dogging Bob Bowlesby. But it seems as if the ACC and the SEC want to continue with the status quo for some period of time. not saying we're definitely going to play. They're just saying we need more time to figure this out. The Big 12 is reportedly divided on whether or not to play this fall. I pulled this line from an ESPN.com article from our friend Sam Con Jr. The league appears to be on the fence at the moment, but given how scheduling announcements played out in recent weeks, don't expect the Big 12 to rush to a decision. It could be the last among the Power Five to make a move. So, you know, no one wants to be last. I guess if you're last, you get your mind made up for you. But right. the remaining three Power Five conferences are, are now in a bit of a bind. Um My guess is that more of the medical information cited by both the Big Ten and Pac-12 that led to their decision to cancel the fall season, that stuff is going to get out. It will only ratchet up the pressure on the other conferences that have yet to decide. It all sort of highlights the pretty big gulf between the conferences. I think in my mind, even though there was nothing specific pointing to this, I was imagining a, a big oak table no. with five conference commissioners discussing what they're hearing and what their plans are for a conference-only schedule and when to start. And I, I, it's all fantasy. I, know, I mean, I know there are meetings. I know there are conversations. We've heard stories like this, but this is not a 
a, a traditional league, a sports league in the way that we would hope that th- that it is. And so the Big 12, I think there's something very important there. The Big 12 makes it, if they decide not to play, a majority. Correct. All of a sudden it goes from being the Big 10 and Pac-12, which are, oh, you know, this is the Rose Bowl alignment and it's traditional, whatever. Those two have always sort of been paired together, almost like the SEC and ACC with their traditional rivalries, whatever. When the Big 12 goes to the, or if they go to the Pac-12 Big 10 side, there is that majority. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're in the minority for for playing a season. And you would think, okay, is there a, a monolith of medical advice that is being given to the Power 5 conferences? There is not. There is medical advice given to the Pac-12 and given to the Big Ten. And, you know, there's everybody has their team of advisors. And the whole industry of medicine, epidemiology, virology, whatever, that's also not a monolith. There are differing opinions. And so the SEC hears what everybody wants to hear, which is, yeah, you can play. It's fine. You got to take precautions, but it should be all right. It's worth it. The ACC, apparently, I saw a connection to Duke, has been hearing the same things. And so they're going with that. If you read it all, the Pac-12 released their medical advice, the summary of the medical advice that they've been receiving. It's the myocarditis, I'm going to get this wrong. It's myocarditis, Ty? Something that- like that. Yes, yeah. that's the it's the sort of long-lasting cardiac situation that can uh, occur in the body after coronavirus. And it's really scary. And I saw the Big Ten said that 10 players, I, I don't want to be quoted, it's 10 players or 10 student athletes overall have been diagnosed with it. That's super duper scary. So there is an optics element of if something goes really wrong, the SEC decides to play or if the Big Ten had decided to play. If something goes wrong, let's say, you know, God forbid, a number of people get sick, a number of people have hospitalized, the worst that, you know, we have deaths in college football. The fact is, every single medical expert, quote unquote medical expert is saying there's a pretty big risk here in playing college football. And some say it's worth it. Some say it's not. But the optics are out there. The optics would be out there of, oh, the SEC decided it was worth the risk. And here's what happened. We've seen deaths across college football and schools get hammered for negligence. And now on this scale, if a conference is willing to play, and here's the the sort of absurd part of my brain, what is it what does everything always come back to in college football? Money. Tie? Money and recruiting. And you're gonna have schools, you know, if it's the SCC, if it's the Big Twelve, it's like big the Big Twelve, this conference is built with schools. Right. That don't right. care about your kid's health. The optics are disastrous if something horrible happens because of everything that's going on here. Now, you have liability. You have this sort of false sense of like, oh, let players sign waivers if they're willing to play. That's, I mean, it's never going to hold up in court. And it's kind of not kind of it's pretty damn ghoulish to begin with to have have players sign that. So I get all of this from the Pac-12 and Big Ten standpoint of like maybe in their hearts they believe, you know what? It's probably fine, but they're not in the probably fine business. Well, that's it. This is going to happen all over college football. And the reason this is happening is because of liability, because of inconsistent protocols, ultimately because of the virus. Right. And I just think we're going to see a similar tune, um, you know, all all throughout. I, I will address the one thing that you did allude to. The popular internet theory that this is all the media's fault. 
Yeah, I mean, that's sort of a, a straw man among our dumbest, Ty. It doesn't make any sense because without a season, a lot of folks in the media are going to be losing their jobs, right? Like, do folks in the profession sometimes have an agenda? Sure. Of course. All the time. Yeah. yeah. In this case, though, you should blame the virus if you don't like the news. Because I guarantee you that, like, Pete Thamel ain't working that beat for Yahoo Sports making this stuff up because he's going to get a bonus if the season gets nuked. That's not the way right. this works. This is already an industry that is sort of teetering on the brink. So, you know, just a lot of a lot of pressure points here being pushed upon as we now start talking about season cancellations and liabilities and whatnot. It's crazy. Yeah. And I would also add the the liability thing is interesting because a lot of people say, like, you can play the season because this is all you have to do. You test three times a week. This is how you distant student athletes from the rest of the campus population. This is how you travel. This is, those are all great points. I'm not sure those points in terms of rapid response testing and isolation and what do you do if, you know, four players or 11 players or 26 players or three coaches, whatever. That's not a reality that we exist within where we know those answers or we have right. that sort of the the money, the capability, the lack of backlog for testing. The, the ideal world of how to play sports, it seems like it exists with the NBA, right? It right. seems like they've done a good enough job. There are 15 players on a team plus support staff, far less than exist. This is nothing, everybody listening, uh, it's nothing they don't know, but... The reality of playing under these circumstances for if it's financial, if it's just a, a resource, a manpower thing, it doesn't align with what's actually happening. So I get it. I, I get that. OK, there's a standard. We can't meet that standard. Why are we pretending? Why are we going through the motions? Right. And it's a bummer that we saw schedules. And I know all these conferences qualified. We're hoping, but there's a chance it might not happen. I understand all of that. But man, it's. It just your ideal world, and I, I obviously now I'm speaking to a straw man, but this is this is a common conversation I've heard among people I respect and you know value their opinion within college football media or just the media at large. It doesn't align, Ty, and you saw that in no. the Pac-12 report that you know they're really hopeful that we improve to that point by the spring, that we are able to sort of build a season out of nothing, almost like, I think this is where you live, right? The Amish can like build a barn in like two seconds, <laughs> like the teamwork to get everything together, boom, bang, like a pop-up season. I, I love I love Amish barns, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's a furniture thing too, right? They sure. apparently have amazing furniture oh, yeah. in Amish country. Yeah, my, my dining room table is in Amish. There you go. So- Table. There is that hope that we get there. I don't know if there is a specific reason to believe we are trending in that direction, given where we've been these past few months, but I don't see it. I don't see it. I like going with trends. I like going with, you know, giving benefit of the doubt to the people who've earned it, and I just don't see it. Well, so let's address that. Spring season is something that, again, we first, I think, mentioned to each other when Chris Fowler mentioned it on his Instagram live feed. Right. Months ago that this is a possibility. And I heard it and I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. It's a novel, a novel solution here, if you want to call it that. Um, we're here now. We had talked about it all throughout our off-season episodes over the last couple months. Remember, we had Pete Sampson on the show talking all things Notre Dame. He mentioned mm -hmm. that he was hearing a lot about the spring season. It depends who you talk to. 
A lot of folks out there right now, I think, are very like-minded, Dan. They're they're kind of subscribing to your school of thought that it it doesn't seem like it's practical. Uh, I think you come at it from the perspective of, well, the virus, it's still going to be a thing come spring, six, seven months from now. Testing, vaccines, like may not be where they need to be in order to actually make this thing go off. And I think that's a reasonable position. Um, there are others who cite a different dimension of player safety. And they talk about playing two seasons in one calendar year. The body needs time to recuperate. Surely you've heard this argument as well. Reese Davis went on a rant on ESPN earlier Uh-oh. after roll this tide. announcement. Yeah, Roll Tide talking <laughs> about this very thing. So I I understand that perspective too. I yeah, guess Urban Meyer it, talked about it. Urban Meyer, I think, Urban was on Meyer, the Big Ten yeah. Network. Yeah, talking about how he would advise seniors or anybody with reasonable draft aspirations to fully skip a spring season and not risk it for your future. And I get that, too. I totally get it. I think if we get a spring season, it's probably like a Diet Coke version of the normal Bangers thing. only. Bangers only. <laughs> You're going to have guys bolting for the NFL. I get it. What I would posit is that There is still a lot of money on the line. To your previous point, follow the money in college football. There is so much money on the line, and already a lot of it is going to be lost just because the fall season is not going to be a reality. I guarantee you there are plenty of local businesses. There are certainly networks like ESPN. There are institutions that are looking to recoup as much as possible before the end of this academic year. So... I just find it hard to believe that if the situation has improved to the point where cases aren't spiking in some locations around the country, and if we feel like we've got a better handle on testing protocol, on safety precautions, on vaccine development, and maybe long-term risks of this virus, I think they're going to try and give it a go. Even if it's a five or six game bangers only slate, Dan, I think they will give it a go provided we are in something of a better place than we are now. And Lord knows we better be, <laughs> we better be, be come nice. February. It would be really nice. We hope there's no second wave. I know we're entering the winter months here, but presumably if we can do better than we're doing right now, I would think after months of financial hardship in this particular industry, that there's going to be a huge impetus to try and get some version of a season off the ground. That's why I'm not counting it out. I believe it will be discussed in earnest. I believe that they are going to try, and by they, I mean whatever, conference commissioners, school presidents, whatever. I believe it will be discussed in earnest. I am not a big believer in the situation surrounding the sport. Just again, I give the benefit of the doubt to those who've earned it. There's no central body mandating things, and we've seen that affecting how now the Big Ten and Pac-12 have gone about their business, whereas the SEC and ACC are saying, yeah, we're going to we're gonna sort of hold firm and see what happens. And so when you don't have that sort of consensus and, okay, so what happens if the SEC and ACC, are they going to play 10 games in the fall? Is there going to be a playoff if everything goes all right? right. Is, does that mean the Pac-12 and Big Ten are still going to play in the spring if everything goes off all right in the fall? There, there are so many moving pieces where it's hard to even consider college football like this standalone entity. So now we're, we're split into these five power five factions plus some G5 conferences who as of this time have not uh, announced anything in terms of cancellation. I just, you have to have so much organization Right. And you have to have 
the surrounding situation be so much better. And whether it's a vaccine, whether it's people really taking things a lot more seriously from the top down than they have these past few months. Maybe, maybe, Ty, but I, I think people are I think the people with the power are going to say, especially and this is a tentacle we haven't really discussed yet, especially with the looming question and issue of player empowerment and mm, amateurism and okay. assuming a lot more risk. And I know people are also quick. Oh, this is my straw man argument. People are quick to point out, well, this is an age group. These are young, strong, uh, young men who are not affected in the way that perhaps older, more immunocompromised people are affected. Well, if you are to believe the Pac-12 Medical Advisory Board, that's not fully true. In any case, they're assuming more risk and scholarships have value, room and board, cost of living, all these things have value, cost of attendance. They all have value. Assuming more risk than usual, which is irrefutable, for no more reward and a pretty, when you see coaches and athletic directors talking about how big of a financial hit they're going to take in the context of why they really have to see if they should they should be playing football. I think what Scott Frost said in Nebraska is might yeah. be in the hole between 80 and 120 million dollars if there's no football season. Yeah. When we see those statements, it is eye-opening to the players. If you see, you know, the Big 12 United or Big 10 United, Pac-12 United and the Power 5 United, it's become clear that like we don't have any we don't have any say in this. We don't have any say in this at all. And so what have we learned about conference commissioners and those in power? They like kicking the can where, Ty? Yeah, as far down the road as possible. As far down the road as possible. And that is not spring. It just isn't to me. The one caveat there is, I think, the way the players have united. And that the the voice behind... The player movement led by the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, whether they intended to or not, they've become the face of this. I think that in and of itself will have a real lasting impact on college football. We talk a lot about, well, what's going to be the takeaway after all this is said and done? My guess is that the players finding their collective voice is going to have a pretty outsized impact moving forward. Um, this truly has highlighted a number of faults in the system. And so, you know, how does that relate to spring? How does that relate to player safety potentially with playing two seasons in one calendar year? You know, we'll see which direction this movement goes from here. But my my hunch and assumption is that we have not heard the last of it. These are not topics that are going away, nor, by the way, are any of the other items here that Trevor Lawrence tweeted out that was retweeted by the president, right? We right. want to play football this season. That's still going to be true in spring. Maybe not mm -hmm. if you're an NFL prospect, but... Yeah, maybe not for Trevor Lawrence, but yeah. Establish universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect college athletes against COVID-19 among all conferences throughout the NCAA. Seems like that's still going to be true. Yeah. Give players the opportunity to opt out and respect their decision. Going to be true. Guarantee eligibility whether a player chooses to play the season or not. I already mentioned the association bit. I think all of these important topics are going to persist, whether we have a season in the spring of 2021, the fall of 2021, or if we got to wait to 2022, like this stuff is not going away, Dan. 
No. And by the way, I did see just with regard to what you just mentioned in terms of the asks from the the We Are United, Ohio State has done a really good job. They came out and talked about the protocols that they've had for student athletes and football players. Those are staying in place that, you know, access to tutoring and dorms and all that is staying in, pl- staying in place because there was that concern that a college campus or the specific kind of college experience that major college football players have is better and more structured than what they would be experiencing if they were going home. So the thing I'd really like to see if the health and safety of college athletes, specific to football players on this show, but in general, college athletes, it's if that's so important that we cannot play, we cannot risk things. They have to go so far above and beyond on campus to ensure that this continues because you can't out of one side of your mouth say, we're looking out for the health and safety contact sport. It's too important for these guys. We're looking after them. We got to do what's what's in the best interest of them and then send them home. You have to take steps to make sure on campus, off campus, whatever that there is structure, there is, you know, maybe it's more of a spring football situation where there's practices and scrimmages within everybody and that there is contact tracing and reasonable bubbles, but those bubbles are probably going to be popped to whatever extent, but that steps are being taken to maximize the health and well-being of college athletes, not just when there is a season, but also when the season is canceled. That's what I'd like to see because it's a total garbage move if all of a sudden Cal athletes are just sent home or Minnesota athletes are sent home. Penn State athletes are sent home. You're not looking after them then. You're you're really not doing them a service by saying you can't play, but also, you know, now our hands are clean. See you next year. That's just garbage. I think I agree. I would ask that folks out there write in solidverbal at gmail.com. Let us know what your thoughts are now that the season for at least the Big Ten and Pac-12 is Dunzo. Let's play it. Dunzo! Let's inject yeah. a little humor here. What do you think will happen with the other conferences? What do you think should happen in the world of college football? How do you feel about a spring season? You can either email us, solidverbal at gmail.com. You can call in 408-verbal1. We're going to open the reverb line here because, uh, yeah, not sure when we'll open it next. I think... They are all wanting to play like they're not wanting to play in a certain way. Like we'll play for this protocol is met. This protocol, they all want to play. They all intend to play at 6 p.m. Central time on Tuesday. What's the 11th of August? Yes. There are there are going to be certain things at play. There are going to be certain optics at play where if all of a sudden there's an outbreak at a fall camp at I'm just making this up TCU or NC State, that's like a, a serious, serious 34 players kind of thing. Then it becomes very, very difficult. I don't think they're going to push through a nightmare scenario. I really don't. I think that there's there is going to be a tipping point. They're not going to push through no matter what. But I believe all three are going to try to play. Ultimately, I think something's going to happen in one of those conferences that's going to tip it in yeah. the Big Ten or Pac-12's direction. That's that's my guess. Total guess. We should also add here, not to be outdone, the Mountain West canceled their fall yeah. season. Uh, we saw separate announcements from UMass and Old Dominion, both of which have canceled their fall season. They're going to explore the season in the spring, quote, if feasible. Um, this has been a recurring theme. We've talked about the trickle up effect on this show ever since the Ivy League announced its intentions. 
we right. have seen that filter its way back up to the Power Five ranks now with the Big Ten making its announcement. For those wondering, the Big Ten is significant because the Big Ten is literally the richest conference. It's the richest in terms of money. For them to come out and announce first, it definitely lays down um, a marker. Can we, and I'm, I'm sort of putting you on the spot here because it's not like we prep this at all, but I, it's one of those things where I really haven't fully unpacked. I haven't parted the information kimono here on this yet, but can we talk briefly about what we now won't have? Is that too depressing right now in terms of like team by team storyline, player, interesting, new no. pathway? Like I, I was specifically looking forward to Joe Moorhead running an Oregon offense. Joe Moorhead moved his family from Mississippi to Eugene, Oregon to coach Oregon this fall. I don't get to see that as an Oregon fan. I don't get to see the maybe most talented, most dangerous looking Oregon defense of the modern era. That's a bummer to me as an Oregon fan. And I guess for people that are moderately interested in college football nationally, don't get to see the first year of Jimmy Lake in Seattle taking over for Chris Peterson. Don't get to see Nick Rolovich, although mm, that might be okay. It's okay. Um, don't get to see Jonathan Smith and Oregon State's improvement and building a nice, interesting defense. Your guy, Chase Gar Garber, is at Cal. Mm. We don't get to see year two of Keaton Slovis, Damn. a potential Heisman candidate at USC. Year two of Jaden Daniels at ASU. We don't get to see how Utah reloads after a, a pretty fantastic 2019. In the Big Ten, Micah Parsons had already opted out, but that Penn State team, in terms of what they are returning on both sides of the ball, pretty loaded, right? Pretty loaded. I think... Justin Fields is a goner. Yeah, that's, I mean, we've seen the last of Justin Fields in Ohio State uniform, unless, I I mean, that could be like a, I'm trying to think of recently, like a Tebow Mariota. I mean, Tebow didn't have the NFL prospect situation. You know, Matt Barkley returned after thinking. I can't, I can't envision. It's hard to see. A situation in which Justin Fields is going to be back in Columbus. I think he's, in effect, a pro football player from this day forward. Um, right. You know, we, we already saw the likes of Rashad Bateman in the Big Ten declare. Rondale Moore declared shortly after we hit the stop button, yeah. I think, on our last podcast. So some of these big names that have an NFL future, uh, we've, we've certainly seen the last of them. But, you know, just a Kirk lot Chiraca of... Kurt running the Penn State offense? Kurt Chiraca. I was going to say a lot of lingering questions around some of those top teams in the Big Ten. You know, we have a lot of fun talking about the Michigan Wolverines and ribbing at fans a little bit, but genuine curiosity over here around what that team was going to look like, a different quarterback, yeah. and you know some of the changes I know that they were making. So it's... Um, Mel Tucker at State? Mel Tucker at State. that team look like in year one? Yeah. Just, uh, it, it sucks. And, you know, nobody tell Nebraska. I think Nebraska still thinks it might be able to play, and if they can find a way to do it safely, then... Winnipeg Blue Bombers. More power to Saskatchewan them. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, BC Lions, Toronto Argos. Nebraska Cornhuskers. A lot of questions that we had, I think, started to prepare in advance of the Big Ten preview show. That yeah, we were... I mean, Nebraska themselves, they hired they hired a new offensive coordinator in uh, Matt Lubick, who had coached with Scott Frost at Oregon really successfully. Uh, that would have been interesting to see if they took a, a were to take a step forward on offense. I mean, across the Big Ten. I mean, Wisconsin... You know, who replaces Jonathan Taylor? What is what is that? I mean, we know what that offense would have looked like, but, you know, does Northwestern bounce back with an okay offense? Maybe, probably. There, it's it's a bummer because I we really didn't begin to think about what interested us about the 2020 Big 12 and or Big 10 and Pac-12 seasons 
But now that even just on this show, reflecting on what is just vanishing into thin air, I'm even sadder and I'm sorry I brought it up. I really am. Like there are just, there are too many. Who starts at quarterback for Maryland? Josh Jackson opted out, right? Correct. And Talia Tonga-Vailoa was given immediate eligibility. What does Greg Schiano's return to Rutgers look like? I know Rutgers has been a particularly bad situation for public health recently, but, you know, brought in a bunch of big name transfers, Michigan, Ohio State guys. Could have been a, a little spicy by the end of the year. It's tough. Yeah. Um, and you look around college football. I had some time on my hands this afternoon. I watched some of the ESPN coverage. I think Kirk Herbstreet and Reese Davis, all everyone that they had on brought up really good points. You know, mm-hmm. nobody was arguing necessarily for or against this decision, just talking about what it means in context. And, um, my guess is that we're going to have a lot of time to reflect on exactly what it means to us because there is likely more of this to come. Hope I'm wrong. Likely more of this to come. I just thought about a fall without Mikhail Cunningham. Hmm. It hurts, Ty. But I get it. Um, all right. So more to come. We are back later in the week. And I, I don't know that we'll have good news, but... I, I think we'll have some kind of news and I think we'll have more clarity, which is at least a positive sort of silver lining type situation in a tie. I had a I had to live through a derecho the mm. other day. Do you know what that is? It's is an that inline tornado thunderstorm? Yeah. Yeah. Midwest is different, man. <laughs> when we were out in California, Jody with an eye was like, Do you guys have summer storms? Is that like when does that happen? I'm like, uh, 83 and sunny, my friend. (laughs) That's what it's like every day. So I experienced the first one of those and it was, it was fine. I, somebody asked me, a friend of mine in California, when I said that we got a tornado warning, he was like, oh, you go down to the basement. And I asked my wife and she's like, no, you don't go down to the basement. If you hear sirens, if you hear alarms, then you go to the basement, apparently. So that's all new to me. So Midwesterners, let me know how to proceed (laughs) with weather situations in the late summer, fall, and winter, because it's apparently different. The lake effect is a thing that I, I have never been used to. Hey, not just Midwest things, but yeah, it has been 12 years since- Yeah, you want to get sentimental? 12 years since uh, I last had a Saturday in the fall where I could like go out and do normal stuff without having one eye glued to the TV. Oh, I, I'm going to miss those text messages of like, I'm at my cousin's baptism. I'm sneaking the Michigan State Michigan yeah. game underneath the pew. Uh, what am I missing? I'm on a delay here. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> those were good texts. Now we're going to have to take up golf or something. I don't know. We're getting in shape. That's what I've been tweeting getting and gramming, Ty. You, Do you said you I'm getting specific... shredded? Yeah, you're getting cartoonishly yoked. Okay. Um Do you have, given your physical limitations, I want to end the show on a happy note. Do you have a, an area for improvement that you'd like to target this fall? An area for improvement? Yeah. You want to look at, you want to work on your arms, you want legs, you want core, do you want stamina? Do you want high end speed? What are you looking to improve? Well, who doesn't want high end speed? But I, I would say I would like to do some flexibility training. Okay. Plyometrics. Yeah, I mean, if that's what that is, but some, some <laughs> I think so. Some sort of flexibility training, I think, would go a long way. How are you with yoga? Oh, God, no. No, I've never done yoga, probably for good reason. 
All right, plyometrics are maximum force in short intervals. So that's a little bit different. It's increasing power, speed, strength. Okay, flexibility. You would do good with yoga is great. All right. Well, do some yoga. We're going to have time to I'd discuss like, this, aren't we? And we're going to have plenty of plenty of time. I'd like to get back out on the tennis court. That's, right. a, that's a specific thing because it's a really good socially distant sport, Ty. True. And I know a couple tennis players out here. So that's what I'm aiming to do. But I guess... I'm going to have to go inside at a certain point and play tennis there. Um, but that's my goal. That's my goal. Get All back right. on the tennis court. I have some some rec specs. I've been... Of course you do. I've been itching to throw on. Of course. I'm ready. We're talking about a high-level high school player here, Ty. Come it's on. True. It's true. All right. That's all I have. Solidverbal at gmail.com. Don't forget to write in. Let us know your thoughts on the matter. More to come, I would expect. So keep that email address handy. Also keep 408... 408- Verbal one in your speed dial. That's 408-837-2251. Give us a holler. We're going to cut all those up. We'll play them on our Thursday show. And we'll continue to use the reverb line wherever possible now that we're all kind of going through this together. We appreciate you downloading the show. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so out on Spotify, on Apple, on Google. Leave us a review if you like the show. Obviously, we don't know what this means for us just in terms of a recording schedule. We do know that we're going to continue recording for the foreseeable future. We have no reason not to. This is cathartic, Dan, for me, cathartic for you. We need to talk to each other at least once a week. At least. (laughs) Starting next week, Washed Wednesdays. Tips for the person growing older and more tired constantly. For that guy over there, my good friend Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildebrand. Thanks again for downloading the show. We'll talk to you in a few days. In the meantime, stay safe, stay solid. Peace.